0: Welcome to the Personal Trainer Collective podcast, the only resource for personal trainers who are fed up with the status quo. If you want to stay ahead of the competition, build a thriving business and have the freedom to work on your own terms, you've come to the right place. Without further ado, let's take your confidence and education to the next level with this week's episode. I'm going to reveal my very first client. But before that, if this is not your first time here, then thank you for tuning back in to the PT Collective Podcast. Welcome back. Uh, If you haven't followed, subscribed, given us a five star rating or less if you want to, then we'd greatly appreciate it if you would do so because it will make us rank higher. Therefore, um, More personal trainers will listen to this, it will make the industry a better place and it will make what your clients perceive personal trainers as or future clients to not be dog awful but rather good and the other thing is this podcast took me around 90 minutes to prep and then for whatever long this takes me to record which I don't think is going to be a long one today but again if you um, would do that it would be greatly appreciated, let's get it over at the start and then I'll just drop the bombs the knowledge bombs on you right now. So um, if you are new to this podcast, this is a little bit different to previous ones that we've done in the past. We've got some really great guest interviews. There's some with myself and Tom. But this one I wanted to do for a few reasons. It was to reflect and tell the story about my very first client. And what I'm gonna go through now is how I got him as a client what I offered, to what actually service that I offered, how much I've charged for that service, um, how I actually coached him and throughout this podcast I'm going to tell you the story and I'm also gonna just interject any reflections of that. Uh, So I've made quite a few notes and I will be going through them. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, it is a little bit different and one of the things that I have discovered when going through this is the art of storytelling so this is something that I'm going to be looking at whether it's a course or books on actually becoming a better storyteller because what you'll find is for your own business your own marketing whether you have your podcast yourself whether it's just video content blog content whatever it would be when there's a story attached to it and it's um, delivered throughout a story it's far more engaging and more people will listen to it, so you have better retention. And more importantly, if you can interject a story with education, it helps improve the learning and understanding and putting a context around it. So I'm gonna start off this looking at my situation. So I'm gonna paint the picture of where I was, what I'd been doing up until that point, and then also how I obtained my first client. So I'd been a fitness instructor in a gym for probably around two years prior to this, probably two to two and a half years. When I was 18, I was still at at university doing a sports science degree, and everyone was getting just like, I'd say, normal jobs, like jobs in shops. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was younger. I just went from, oh, I like sport to, oh, I like sport and I like fitness, and I still don't know what I want to do mommy and daddy. So that's why I did a sports science degree. So at the, at that time, uh, when I started getting into the gym, I asked uh, the ex-girlfriend's mum, who used to go to the gym, what qualification do I need to be able to work in that gym? So that's why I started off as a fitness instructor. And then from then, I would, one of my strengths or one of the things that has helped me in every walk of life is when I used to work the gym instructor that role I was getting paid like just over six pound per hour it wasn't good whatsoever when I was at university I was doing like a Saturday uh, daytime up until when I finished my degree which was in sports science and the shifts used to be eight and a half hours long so you can imagine being on the shift and you've done a, a late night shift and then an early morning shift and then a midday shift and it gets very very repetitive Every two hours I had to go down to the plant room and do a pool test. Um, so what I discovered was if I talk to members, it makes the time go really quick. If I decided to do what most gym instructors or fitness professionals would do, which is to sit on their asses to talk to other trainers and not really do much, then the time drags. So my intention on talk with my intention for talking to members on the gym floor, was probably a selfish one. It was more to do with actually just makes the time go really quick. This is really boring. I'm getting paid peanuts. I can't wait until I finish my degree because then I can be a personal trainer. So, yeah, I used to talk to members on the gym floor, which would be and is... The probably the number one thing that I'd recommend personal trainers do whether you're new to personal training whether you're new to a, a, a gym as in you've been a personal trainer for a while but you've re- relocated to another gym nothing beats just talking to gym members and, and not having this I'm only talking to you because I want to get you paying me money like for personal training and I feel like that was also another good thing because my conversations wasn't me trying to sell it was conversations with me just trying to waste time so there's never any ask there was no ulterior motive as such when I got my level three I went to a 2020 role so at the time when I finished my uh, degree I did some fitness instructing for a little period of time before I got my level three PT qualification and I was on a, a 40 hour week gym instructor role where again I would clean stuff do plant room tests do inductions and and write a program if it was their first month of being a member in the gym and my role then changed to a 2020 which I don't think surrounded anymore so I basically reduced my 40 hours per week as a gym instructor to 20 hours per week and then I had another 20 hours for PT now I wasn't doing 20 hours of PT from the off Um, and on reflection I would I would only go on go to the gym when I had my shift so I've gone from 40 hours talking to members on the gym floor and I don't think it was that detrimental to me because I'd already spoke to a lot of members prior to that but if I was going into a new gym and I had client availability if you're only working 20 hour shifts and I know there's quite a lot of gyms out there now where you might have to work 16 hours for free where you don't have to pay rent and I basically just went did my shifts and then I, I, honestly, my memory isn't that good. Uh, I can't remember what I did in those hours that I did claim back, those like 20 hours free. But if I'm honest, I know that it wasn't effective and I probably wasn't spending much time on trying to market myself, market my business um, and get clients from the gym floor. So if you are in a similar situation, you have client capacity, you have client spaces and you're an in-person personal trainer, then don't just do your shifts your 16 hours and then just go and do whatever Um, and even if you feel like whenever you do something something else has to give so I'm a firm believer of even if I was coaching clients was I'm going to try and make it as easy as possible for you to achieve that the goal you're looking to achieve I feel like you need to look at that for your business. And there's many different things and strategies that you can can use. Like we have a, if you go into the website, ptcollective.com slash free, there's some lead magnets there. And one of them is 17 ways to get clients from the gym floor. And I always have a good rule of thumb. Well, if you want in-person clients, then you should probably spend majority of your marketing efforts on trying to provide value on the gym floor and generate leads in person, offline if you are sending an online service then again you're probably going to spend a little bit more time on social media but that doesn't if I'm looking for quick results and I have the I have the ability to talk to members on the gym floor even if it isn't for in-person person training but for online person training that's the method I'd probably still go with because nothing beats 100% engagement and reach and nothing beats the ability to have multiple conversations in person in one go than what it would do if you was trying to have those conversations via the DMs. So yes, with that, make sure that you're spending your time and energy and effort on activities that will give you the easiest opportunity and best suited to you as an individual to pick up clients. So what was the name of my first client? His name was Alex. And I remember... It was Alex and Harriet. And they, I would consider them, they were probably in their late 20s at the time. I'm probably either 20 or 21 at the time after finishing my sports science degree. And um, they were young. They were successful. They dressed well. They was always groomed. And what I can remember this is, now again, i am I'm not making anything up. It's just... Some of the stuff is a blur. Like you're thinking, I'm 36 now. This is when I was 21. So it's like 15, 20, 50, like 15, 16 years ago, depending on when I actually got Alex as a client. But I remember him coming in. He definitely, they both had money. I don't know what careers they had. I can't remember what that was. I don't know if they were business owners or they was just in corporate the corporate world making a nice amount of money he came in in like a nice car he always dressed well him as well as his wife harriet and alex would come in during like the peak times sort of after work or fairly late so it would be peak time in the gym or fairly late um and i would probably see him on my late shifts and probably just how did i get him as a client was just talking to him like i would talk to members on the gym floor, but I feel with Alex, it was as a someone which was 21 years of age, fairly um impressionable. Looking up to him and going, well, he was smaller than me, but he he wasn't that much older than me. Definitely less than 10 years, and I suppose it's someone you look at and I was like, wow, he's <laughs> he's uh I wonder what he does. You know, like you see the people on TikTok or Instagram now. It's like they go out to people in their sports car and be like, hey, how did you make your money? And like, oh, you're that Daniel Mack guy. Um, that's the the one that's on TikTok. So for me, it was, um, I was probably quite intrigued by him and what he did. He was a good looking lad. Wasn't, as I said, it wasn't as tall as me. And his wife was also in great shape. And I would have definitely, 100% found her attractive. So um, there were there was that there. Just, p- just putting it out there. Yeah, they they were like the power couple to me. And they they wasn't that far ahead of, in age, so it's more intrigue. So lessons from this is if you don't want to work long ass days, you have the choice to say no. Now I'm not saying you don't talk to me if you're if you're working shifts and your shifts just happen to be late nights. Um, you always have control, and I feel like as a personal trainer, when you're starting out, and this is definitely me as well. So it's really easy to reflect on something that were 15, 16, 17, 18 years ago when I first got into the fitness industry. It's really easy to do that now. But you can control when you work and who you coach. However, when you are starting off, and I was like in a position where, I, th- I, f- I think I may have paid like a reduced rent I wasn't obviously working for free because I was getting paid a salary for my twenty hours of gym instructor. But if you are if you do have a rent to pay and you are starting off, like the hardest part as a personal trainer is the first initial few months. Once you start getting your first five clients and getting them results, it becomes a lot easier. But when you're starting off, you will probably just um coach any you'll coach someone at 4 30 in the morning you coach someone at 9 30 the night before because you're looking to to make money I feel I'm in two I'm in two two parties here. One I feel like if you are a personal trainer and you are doing that type of thing it gives you even later on in life if you change career it gives you the ability to work hard for long periods of time and have a not not a lot of sleep and it is quite a taxing job as a personal trainer especially if you're doing classes in between uh, and, and you're on your feet all day but it's up to you entirely like don't complain if you're coaching clients and it's too late in the evening you've got to get up early for your next shift that is on you so as soon as you take responsibility for that the better it'll be so i feel like alex hired me for maybe three reasons one he felt sorry for me at the time there was two other person trainers Anthony and Simon one was short and bald one was tall and bald and they were both probably in their late 30s and anyone when you're sort of 18 19 though that that period of time anyone in their mid to late 30s you you consider old and and hey I'm now that guy so welcome so I feel like he may have felt sorry for me in the sense that I was the the new kid on the block as in regards to a personal trainer. For him as well, I feel like the second reason was it may have been a status thing for him, uh, just having that. And again, I could be totally wrong, but I'm just going by based on what I felt. And number three, it could be a combination of both of them. He felt sorry for me because I was the young kid. And again, he wanted a personal trainer more for a status thing, which I'm going to go into a little bit more detail as we get into the podcast. One of the other things with why I think uh, I got him as a client is, if you don't know, my background is in karate. I was English karate champion in A under 16. I've competed internationally. In I've won competitions. And he also was into, I think Muay Thai at the time. So he was into martial arts. So the other two trainers that were there wasn't. So I feel like that was a unique selling point for me as a personal trainer because we would do pad work during the sessions. Like there will be some element of like pad work or martial arts and not, not fighting each other or sparring. But there was that element to it. So that therefore, it had that was my unique selling proposition. I'm not as old as the others. I'm not as well established. My knowledge at the time, I, I felt like I was better than them from a... When I look back on it now and reflecting is, yeah, you your my knowledge with anatomy and physiology and biomechanics was, I'm like, there's no way your knowledge is on my level. But being great at naming muscles and joints and joint actions and origin and surgeons doesn't make you a good person trainer. So I would look at them and I'd always be like, I'm better than you. But they were better than me. Let's be honest. They were better than me uh, probably have an emotional intelligence they're better than me at marketing they're better than me at um, sales and so I feel like you can't look at so one thing you could learn from this is when you look at other personal trainers in your in your gym your your competitors your direct compared to competitors um, don't look at I'm better than them than them look at it as if they have more clients than you then they are better than you at something And that something is probably marketing, that something is probably communication, that something is probably sales. So that's where you have to be aware enough to look at, well, I might be better at this, but overall, better and best and good or worse is very subjective. Um, But results and clients and money in your bank can be a lot more objective. So I feel like that was a unique selling proposition. Also, he was, even though I was young, he was as I said, was like probably late twenties. He, I, I was probably had more relevancy, uh, more of a connection. We had more similarities than he did with the other two person trainers there. So I feel like those were a few of the the reasons why I'd get him as a client. Again, I can't tell you exactly what it would be, but it would probably just be having conversations with him. I can't remember the first time I asked him if he would want personal training. But I know that my work on when I got clients was wasn't down to Facebook ads or any social media stuff. It was it was talking to members on the gym floor and being able to adapt my conversation to the person that was in front of me at the time. I'm gonna tell you about the first time I, you think, young lad, just finished university, been getting paid peanuts, really. Your worth is being told that you are an employed member of staff and you are worth six pound, whatever. It, it was definitely closer to the lower six than it was higher six. And this is what your hourly rate is. And This is how much money you can make. And if you want to make more money, you have to work more hours. But technically, you can't work more hours because of health and safety and contracts and stuff like that. And the biggest, i say, hurdle for me was, was, and maybe it was a a downfall as well, again, uh, was being a fitness instructor, gym instructor in that gym, and people seeing me as the guy with a red t-shirt on being the cleaner being the one that is inferior to those in a black t-shirt with personal training on. So when I feel like that, there's pros and cons for both, but I feel like it's probably a limiting belief of mine that got in the way because you're thinking, okay, I've got someone telling me I'm worth, let's say, £6.21 per hour, and then now I'm trying to train myself as someone that is worth 40 pounds per hour or 45 pound per hour and that was a big head fuck to overcome of like why would that's a lot of money and you think about it when people find it hard to charge a high amount of money it's because they're thinking about their own personal circumstances most of the time they're looking at it from a oh that much money paying a block of 10 for 350 quid is a lot of money for me which it would have been as a 21 year old finished university probably still got spots on my face so for me trying to overcome that objective uh, objection that I'm putting upon myself was a hard thing so just imagine me just finished probably the taster session whatever and Alex is like, yeah, I'll, I'll do a block of 10. I think at the time it would be, as I said, either £40, I think it was £40 for one one session. And it was £350 for 10 sessions. So he got a nice little discount. Not much, but it's still a discount. And I remember going down into this changing room, him opening up his locker, pulling out his wallet, and his wallet had a like a fat, fat load of cash in it. Now, he may have had that, anyway but obviously it had £350 for those 10 sessions I just remember feeling that that feeling there's not many milestones in your life that you'll you'll remember but when like the first time the first child the first time you kissed someone the first time you had sex and all, all this other stuff so I remember the first time that I received that money cash cash monies and it was just like fucking hell I'm like he just paid me 350 quid I've only done like one session I've still got nine sessions to do so it's trying to get comprehend that from going well now I'm worth 40 pounds or 335 pounds an hour now considered 6 pounds you think about how much of an increase that was and I still remember that feeling that you, you, you got and my goodness I do miss those cash in hand days um if you're still a person training um That takes cash. I don't. Then uh, yeah. Anyway HMRC I always uh, claimed everything. I I was always good. Winking right now. That you can't see. So. What I found with Alex was. Because he was very much into business. And he was younger. He would change the session times a lot. And he would cancel frequently. So when you think about it, from my very first personal training client, I realised this, that selling sessions was not a good thing because they can change the time, even if you had a contract in place. I don't think I had a contract at the time. It was like, if you cancel within, blah, blah, blah. But then there's a difference between having a contract and saying you have to cancel within 24 hours or you'll lose a session and then actually doing that as a young 21-year-old when you've you've got one client, your first client. So there's a big difference. So you think about, I knew that there was a limitation of this methodology of paying for sessions, but I did nothing about it because the norm was to sell sessions. And what I did is I accepted it and I didn't bother to think about, is there an alternative? This is a problem. How can I overcome this problem of canceling sessions or wanting to change their times? Which was not a big deal when you're starting out, but once you've got multiple clients, and people want to change their sessions or cancel their sessions it becomes a a pain in the bum and it's not nice but I would be as being open and transparent even if I did sit back and look at there must be a better alternative even if there's no like at the time no one did monthly payments it was all sessions and even to this day there's a lot of gyms that control this and still they do blocks of sessions but even if I did come up with the monthly thing back then, I probably wouldn't have had the guts to actually do it. And I probably would have just stayed in my lane and been like, this is just the way it is. This is what you just need to do. You just need to be accept that people are going to cancel and people are going to change times. And when you're doing that, you're trying to, you've got that thing as in, I want to get those sessions in so I can get that next block of 10. So I can receive that £350 cash in my hand again, because you want that feeling again, it becomes a little bit addictive. Other thing is, I didn't have a system to really track the number of sessions he's completing. He completed and we're outstanding. I probably used like paper and pen or something, whatever I did back then. So other things I learned was cash flow unpredictability, not predictability. I can't remember exactly, but I feel like Alex either had booked one lot of 10, maybe two blocks of 10. Um, And this is where I would have the monthly coaching prize. It would help eliminate having those high and low mumps. Um, And when I speak to personal trainers, I'm like, do you have high mumps and do you have low mumps? If they say yes, I'll be like, what's the variance? They tell me the variance. And then I'm like, you sell sessions? Yeah, cool. Until you make that scary decision of changing your business model and not just selling sessions, but you sell a coaching experience that gets them the results they're looking to achieve and you're selling more than sessions, you will always be combating having high months, low months, And most fears and the arguments that happen in households are due to money. So um, you have to make that decision. If, when you do transition to monthly, it will help you serve your clients outside of the sessions. It will give you the ability to charge more money, You'll therefore have better margins and this will enable you to provide a better service. It also provides more structure to your day-to-day and therefore you can then spend time working on your business. One of the things with Alex as well, there was no, even if I was sending sessions, you still could have like agreed days and times per week. There was none of that. There was no contracts and because of that, it was very flaky. So what I want you to do is take ownership with the days and times you coach clients on. Consistency of this is going to be key for you to control when you work and also what you work on and when you're spending time working on fulfilling your services to your clients that they've paid for and the time that you're going to be working on optimizing your service or bringing in new leads or whatever it would be to help grow your business from both a financial perspective point of view but also from a service delivered point of view for your clients so things you can do with that is you can use calendar invites with reminders there's softwares out there but if you if I was training Alex on a Monday and a Thursday at 7pm I could just quite easily use my Google calendar share it with him on his calendar and if he did need to reschedule he could obviously say he can't attend and then things that you can do there's a couple of options is I'd highly recommend that you have overflow sessions and you specify when they are what days what times so if you do have clients that need to reschedule or cancel within the cancellation policy then there is something there for them to reschedule but it's predicated on you having control over that It's like you could use Google meeting schedule. That's something that I've used recently in regards to um, rather than canonly. So if you want to save money or you just don't want to use Calendly and that's a whole other podcast for another day is like looking, don't look at, not looking at things from a cost perspective but looking at it from an investment perspective and looking at how much time it saves or potentially how much more money you can make by improving your service. So you could use Google meeting scheduling uh, link time. So that could just be in the description of all the sessions and you could just again it's a recurring event on a Monday and a Thursday every week um, during that time and therefore you can make it very clear to them use this link whether it's google meeting schedule or it's probably not called that I'm just calling it that or calendly for them to rebook and then you probably want to have some form of terms and conditions in the contract that if they miss a session that they need to redeem that session with in two weeks or four weeks total. So it's not being like, oh, you still owe me this session even when they're on a a monthly plan. So when it comes to the actual coaching side of things, I literally just offered him training and I feel I may have got him to do like a food diary, um, but there was no sort of nutrition support. And as I said, because I trained him during peak times, at the time I also didn't have the knowledge to be able to adapt the plan when all of the dumbbells and all of the machines were taken. So that's another thing where it's like, and we've put posts out before, where it's like you need to be able to adapt your programming, your session, being able to just do things on on the fly. Um, You can plan as much as you want, but being able to create a session where you're not relying on specific machines. And that's what I see when I go to, I mean, I'm a member of David Lloyd's, but I've been a member of David Lloyd's Pure Gym. I've been into many other gyms as well. And what I see it's just personal trainers putting their clients on machines. Um, and I'm not like against machines or anything, but it's similar to giving someone a meal plan and saying, okay, you have to eat this cut of chicken, no other, nothing else. That is it. And you go to the supermarket and they don't have that. They're like, well, I, I don't have the ability to adapt. To What am I going to do? So out of sessions, he didn't have a program. There was no nutrition support. There was no weekly check-in. There was probably just a few texts chasing him up, being like, when's the next session? And stuff like that. So it was more admin-based. And one of the things I also would like to highlight with Alex and highlight to most you listening is that people want coaching for different reasons. Alex, I feel like, wanted it as a status thing. He wanted his own personal trainer. He wanted someone to be able to provide a service to him. He wanted to go to the gym, and not think about the session. He just wanted someone else to be there, helping. I, I would get like I'd pick up his water bottle, I'd fill it up, I'd do other stuff. I trying to trying to impress, trying to deliver a service, and um, he just wanted to go to the gym and have someone coach him. And the thing is with him, he already had a, a decent training knowledge. He already probably knew about nutrition because he was in he was in good shape. He would and so that's the reason why I feel like he he did it for more of a status thing, more of a if someone is in the corporate world, they want to they use their time with a person trainer to just get away from everything. A chance to leave their phone in their locker, a chance to not have to think about anything, but have someone else think for them, tell them what to do. Um, motivate them, keep them accountable. So I definitely feel like that was the reasons why Alex had me as a personal trainer. I'd train him in the session, like probably resistance-based stuff, and then at the end of it, there'd always be some sort of incorporation of like pad work. Um, I'd even do like PNF stretching with quite a lot of my clients because what I want you to try and do is, and again, it's probably going back to the trainers that just put their clients on a machine. I'm like anyone can do that. Like just watch a video, get a program online. There's nothing There's nothing really the art of coaching with that. Um, and also when I see them have conversations with the clients, then they're, 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 they're not really. It's just, it's not coaching in my opinion. So always try to incorporate an experience that they cannot achieve on their own. Or if they try to do it on their own, it just wouldn't be as fulfilling. So for my thing, it was like pad work. And I remember just doing like little pad work sessions with people. And I used to really like that as a, sort of a lead generation activity because most people can't punch. And it, you can get someone from not being able to punch at all to hitting a pad where it makes a nice sound and then feeling like they're Nigel Ben, Chris Bank. I don't know. Tyson Fury like whoever boxer Katie Taylor and um, I always used to like that because they could see my ability as a coach it was something that I had a lot of experience in in regards to martial arts and they could see an improvement really quickly and I wasn't trying to sell them in personal training but it made them experience me remember you're in the, the sort of customer service business they can't bite you and go, hmm, your sandwich tastes nice. I'm going to buy you again. It literally is they have to experience you. And because it wasn't 100% focused on fitness and you could make good improvements and coach people, it did enable you to sort of, them to try before they buy as such. So on reflections, just to round it up, he already had a, a good, I put great, he already had like a, a very, decent physique so I didn't really get any great transformation pictures with him and at the time I wasn't even thinking of stuff like that I didn't ask for a testimonial. I didn't ask for a referral looking back on it I should have probably offered to train his wife Harriet too Um, just because they were both into gym and I'd already had done the hard part which was get Alex as a a client I, I could have if I'd more courage, I probably could have asked to be like, does Harriet want personal training too? I could have probably done him a, a nice deal with that as well. He worked a lot and I think he travelled a fair bit. If he didn't travel, we definitely use a lot of sunbeds. So maybe even like selling monthly coaching, maybe he wouldn't have opted in for that because when clients do travel a lot for work or pleasure, they don't really want to commit to something that's recurring, that's like two sessions per week they want more flexibility with sessions so if that is the case then what I would highly recommend for you to do because you are um, in a less fortunate position when it comes to um cash flow and cons- cash flow consistency is if you are sending sessions as well as doing monthly just whack the price up for the sessions so it makes it far more favorable to do the the coaching Another thing you could do is with the monthly coaching, you also get this, this, this and that. With the sessions, I'll just train you for the sessions. So not only are you are going to pay more, you're probably going to receive less as well. But again, that is something that is up to you whether you want to do that or not. Try to take time to reflect on your offering, your business and question if there's a better way. If there is, what is it? If something is an a issue or a problem in your business, then f- try and find someone that's been doing it longer and ask them how did you find transitioning from sessions to monthly how did you deal with people that didn't really care about their nutrition how did you whatever that problem is try and have time to reflect yourself on what you could do differently but also ask others and the last thing I want to say on this when I'm doing my generic reflections which is it's okay not to be great at the start like if your intentions are well and you're trying your best with the tools and the knowledge that you have at, at that precise moment, then cool. But as long as you're not scamming people. However, if you are furthering the game and you're not trying to improve elements of your business, which are weaknesses, which are things that can be improved which are things that can not only deliver your clients a better service, but also enable you to charge more money or take on more clients or build a bigger business, then that is not okay. We should always be looking at how we can improve. So try like going back to the point before. Try having times, whether it's once a month, once every quarter, once a year, every six months. Have time to reflect, get feedback from others, but only feedback from qualified people. So let me know who was your first client? And if you can, spend some time now or in the future and reflect like I just did. What can you change and what should you do more of in your business? Again, if you like the podcast, please hit the follow button, subscribe, give it a rating if you'd like. Again, something a little bit different this time on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed it. Until next time.